This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hey, everyone. Great to be back on Material Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network, recording at TexWorld here at the Javits Center in New York City. And we know you're all hearing the phrase kind of farm to table out there. It's a hot new movement. But here today is a company that is talking through farm to shelf. Well, what does that really mean when we're talking about fibers and what are we actually getting into here? That's what we're going to talk about soon with David Sasso, the vice president of sales of Bueller Quality Yarns based in Jefferson, Georgia. And the show starts right now. I'm David Sasso. I'm the vice president of sales for Bueller Quality Yarns in Jefferson, Georgia. What I love about materials is that materials have so many different uh, uses, properties, uh, functionalities, and understanding how they fit into the apparel uh, is quite important going forward as you design for consumers. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw, Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, and Rob Sanchez, business strategist and COO of Open Source Business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto, joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And Rob Sanchez. How's it going? And we're joined today by David Sasso, Vice President Sales for Bueller Quality Yarns. Hi, David. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're really excited to have you. And before we get into who you are and what you do, this word farm to shelf, what does this mean? What are the fibers we're talking about here? Typically, when you hear of a farm, you, it's a farm where you plant, watch it grow, and you harvest it. Uh, that's what most people would think, farm to shelf. Uh, but there are other farms, tree farms, uh, that are ec ecologically grown in various parts of the world that ends up in apparel as well. So uh, it's not your typical farm, though, but it still makes a significant part of the apparel industry. And are there actual particular fiber products that you guys are doing that falls in line with those categories? For sure. Uh, Bueller is the premier spinner in, in this hemisphere for American Pima Cotton, Supima branded. Uh, we're also the premier spinners for lensing fibers, uh, particularly of Micromodel and Tencale fibers, which are of wood products. And what is it that make those fibers so unique and special? I know a lot of people are starting to hear about lensing, Tencale and Modal, and obviously Supima Cotton. They're popular. Why? Well, I think what the industry has lost focus is what does cellulose mean to comfort, breathability? There's so many things that are missing out of today's product line, uh, particularly in the active wear, that it's just purely petrochemical fibers that does not really breathe. And if you really truly measure comfort, you need a cellular aspect to, to those fabrics. And can we take a step back for a minute and get into a little bit about who you are and how you got into this business? Well, Bueller, uh, if you go back to our roots of the Bueller name uh, goes back over 200 years uh, and they have always been a premier spinner of fine cotton yarns in Europe uh, so we were always about 
premium fibers, uh, luxury fibers, luxury apparel. So this has been our core uh, product, our core uh, yarn that has for many years been in, in high demand for just luxury products, something that feels good, lasts long, bright, shiny, uh, and strength. So these are the things that has made Bueller over time uh, a premium product. Uh, and then we also work with the uh, Micro Model and uh, Tencel from Lensing. And these complement uh, these premium extra long staple cotton fibers uh, in the garment. So this is, this is what uh, has made us uh, a premier spinner uh, on a global basis. So I know they've been um, around since Switzerland many years ago. Uh, what are they doing now in the spinning of the fiber, mixing in with the, with the other fibers? Well, unfortunately, uh, okay. Bueller, Switzerland is uh, no longer in existence. Yes. Uh, we were purchased uh, by Samil which complements us very well because they also are a very well-known spinner mm -hmm. uh, from a technical aspect and also from uh, a lensing fiber uh, aspect where they're producing spinning modal tensile fibers mm -hmm. for uh, apparel. So they complement Bueller very well. Uh, we have uh, a great reputation in quality, uh, so does Samil. But combine the two synergies of the, com of the two companies uh, we have so much potential. And you're spinning it also with cotton also? Still? With cotton, yeah. We're also gonna uh, work with Samil to, to produce the same type of yarns we do in the United States, uh, which would include American Pima cotton. And you mentioned that that's a fairly recent uh, shift, right, for Bueller's. Um, when did the partnership come together? When did the actual purchase come together? The actual partnership came together, it was closed uh, on the beginning of May of this year. Okay. So we're still in the um, dating stage, you know, <laughs> uh, trying to uh, put together the strategies going forward. So this is also an exciting part uh, for me is to looking at global strategy and not so much regional strategy. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at kind of global strategy, how long have you been working with Bueller? Uh, over 17 years. Wow. So in where it was when you started and where it is now and where you see it's going, how has that strategy changed? Obviously, we're seeing so much change in the market going on right now and demand for sustainable fibers in, you know, retail apocalypse or call it what you have. Where have you guys come and where do you see yourself going? I think most people in retail that know me realize that Bueller knows more about manufacturing, not only of just yarns, but fabrics and apparel. We have been able to look at the entire supply chain and try to fine tune that supply chain to be competitive. Uh, it used to be a yarn spinner sells yarn. And then it's up to the knitter to sell fabrics and it's up to the dye house to, to put color on that fabric and it's up to somebody else to make a garment. Uh, along the way, yarns gets lost. Nobody knows the yarn. Nobody mm -hmm. knows the sources of the fibers. Uh, and this is where the big problem is nowadays. We don't know, we don't have the knowledge of the supply chain to n make smart decisions. What fibers do I select for the maximum comfort, the maximum longevity of the product? Uh, so we, we don't know how to make those decisions. And this is where Bueller is perfect. The educational process, actually, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I always say that you have to learn um, 
when you when you design a garment or when you are in the process of, of making a product, not a garment necessarily, we're talking about cars and their car seats, you have to know from the thread up, from the fiber up. Exactly. And, and understanding that, it, it makes you a stronger, stronger designer. Um, yeah, just dive in more into the aspect. Have you gone to... Do you spend a lot of time in the factories on how with the, the processing of that fiber to, to create that thread to the specifications of where it's going? Well, there aren't many people like me that starts out uh, in a yarn spinning manufacturing. Most of my career has been manufacturing. Uh, so technically, I'm very, very savvy when it comes to most of the textiles. Uh, but the past the yarn stage, uh, and I wrote a, a little article called The Anatomy of Comfort. And, oh. and listen, if you don't start out with specifying the fiber and the yarn system, you will never maximize quality nor comfort, mm-hmm. period. Uh, so until designers, merchandisers understand that if I go with a, a normal fiber uh, micronaire, I mean denier, instead of a micro denier, then how does that impact me? Uh, too much is placed on, well, what's the fiber price and what's the garment, uh, the, the yarn price? And, you know, we're saving, we're trying to save pennies, but losing dollars on the other end because we just didn't make that consumer happy. Right? And uh, this is where we're trying to catch up and get people educated as fast as possible because they're in deep trouble. We're not connecting with the consumers and we're not maximizing the consumer experience. Yeah, presumably that's obviously part of the advantage of being here at a tech's world and being able to communicate those stories. And I know that you speak and, and travel a lot to, to do that. Uh, do you find that as you're working with some of your clients or, or and some of the bigger clients, I know you guys have some major names you work with, as you work through that process with them of both them understanding the fiber, how that's going to impact design, at what point did they kind of come to you and look for the right technical fiber solution for their product? Is it early on? Is it late? And, and what would be the ideal scenario for you if you could tell them what to do? Right. Uh, a lot of times it just starts out with um, just discussions, uh, education. Tell us more about um, why micro uh, model and not just regular model. Uh, why PMI and not just long staple? Uh, and then what are the cost differences? A lot of times it's just a roundtable discussion at the retail level uh, and we get the orders later on. It's not like the retailers buy the yarn. Not yet, anyway. We're working on that. Um, but it, the orders come to us in a roundabout way. I don't sell yarns to retailers. I give them the education side so that you make good decisions. And by the way, who are your customers, David, so that we can talk to them? So we pull the, the, the demand through that way. Uh, I want to understand price points when it comes to retailers so that they can understand what the impacts are. You know, if it's Supima and you're trying to reach a, a price point in garments at this level, I can quickly tell them, no, it's not possible. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're not the right partner for you. Uh, but when you start reaching to the point where uh, we can afford these price points, then I can help uh, put the supply chain together, uh, collaborate with the supply chain to try to meet the price points that uh, these retailers are looking for. Uh, too many times people think made in USA products are too unaffordable right uh, and I'm proving them the wrong uh, it comes with collaboration 
the retailer must get the supply chain in collaborating with each other, uh, promoting information up and down the supply chain. Uh, these things all are part of what's more important now, speed. So not only if you're trying to achieve a price point, but speed is almost more important than the price point. Uh, the only way to do that is communication. Yeah. You're saving in transportation also. That's right. Yeah. That's interesting. So um, talk a little bit about what you're doing to improve the communication. So you talked a little bit about education. How else are you looking at um, basically stitching together the, the different uh, parts of the supply chain? Well, there's two things two approaches that I'm taking. One is write about it, talk about it as much as possible. Um, it's not just Bueller or Samil that needs to be talking about this. It's every spinner, every manufacturer needs to be talking about this. Uh, more collaboration and education at the retail level. Uh, it doesn't do me any good unless we have synergies in the region. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, we need the commodity products to be uh, sourced in this hemisphere so that our yarns can also be sourced here. You know, nobody wants to say, well, we only do a little bit here and then somewhere else with the, the, the masses. We need to have synergies in, the, in, in this hemisphere or any, any trading block so that you have the speed and you have the resources to, to get the diversity of products. Uh, so everybody needs to be talking about this. Creating those synergies, that's what we'll discuss next. Back soon after a commercial break on Material Is Your Business. Hi, I'm Charles Beckwith. We appreciate you downloading this program every week, and I want to invite you to also listen to our other show, which I host, American Fashion Podcast, the number one fashion industry podcast. If you want to deep dive into what really makes the fashion industry work behind the scenes, listen to the show that Harper's Bazaar called for the true fashion nerd, American Fashion Podcast, every week on iTunes, Stitcher, and at AmericanFashionPodcast.com. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with David Sasso, the Vice President of Sales of Bueller Quality Yarns. And while we were on break, we were just talking about how do you design if you don't know your fibers? And I know Rob had a question about unpacking a little bit more about those fibers. Yeah, so you'd mentioned earlier that breathability requires that cellular uh, features inside of the, the fiber. And I was wondering if you could un unpack that a little bit and then also talk a little bit about the difference between a natural occurring um, property inside of a yarn or fiber um, versus the synthetics that we're creating right now. And just uh, give us your thoughts on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, combining uh, the synthetics with the cellulose uh, gives a, uh, a more of a moisture management um, performance. Mm -hmm. uh, you have one that's hydrophobic and the other is hydrophilic. Uh, the two makes a great moisture management uh, combination. Um, but we also, you know, anything that, uh, for instance, uh, 
Uh, you can have a, a moisture management with 100% cotton, uh, with TransDrive, for instance, where you're making one cotton hydrophobic and the other cotton is still the same, nat natural hydrophilic, creating the same effect if you're desiring something 100% natural. Uh, there are many uh, types of examples where you can have these type of properties uh, inherent in the, the fiber. Uh, if it's uh, um, a bacteria inhibitor, it doesn't kill bacteria, but it doesn't grow in the fiber. Uh, mm -hmm. Tin cell is a perfect example of that. Uh, and you know, so combining tin cell with other uh, synthetic fibers is a perfect combination. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that is, that people are not understanding more about the fiber? Is it just not taught in the schools, and especially in the U.S.? Is there a critique we can make and a way to correct and address that? I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to see sometimes from the outside or the inside, but where yeah. would the problem start? My opinion, um, everybody wants to be a designer when they go to college, uh, not you know, learning how to spin yarns and make fabrics. It's not a very sexy thing. Uh, so it seems to be that everybody wants to jump over and go to the design stage, uh, leaving out the some of the most important part, and that is the technical aspects of fibers, yeah. mm -hmm. the elongation, the fineness. Uh, is it porous? Is it uh, convoluted? Uh, you know, the shape of the fiber also makes a huge difference on how it uh, performs when it's wet uh, and how it dries, uh, how much it absorbs. So these things just kind of like just bypass and it's not not put into the, uh, uh, say, the curriculum of, of a fashion school or a merchandising school. Uh, so we, we have lost that know-how and we're waiting, we're looking for the, the yarn manufacturers and fiber manufacturers to sort of explain that. But what's happening, what's driving the change is the design uh, and not necessarily the technical aspect of it. I think right now with the, um, the internet, and um, the, the youth today that they're asking a little bit more questions. We are going to surpass that. Um, but that being said, right now that you guys um, ended up um, merging or uh, Samil ended up purchasing that marriage, mm -hmm. how do you think that the manufacturing is going to change in the U.S.? I'm a very big, I'm very passionate because I'm a, a executive director of um, Save the Garment Center trying to bring back manufacturing. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, interesting like marriage can mm -hmm. you talk to us a little bit about it how do you feel about the bringing back manufacturing to the u.s and steps that we need to take <laughs> <laughs> uh the the u.s needs more diversity of yarn of fibers and yarns uh in order to create uh fabrics and apparel that people want to buy uh and not that people want to buy at a cheap price uh people need to buy something that they feel good uh, that is going to last and is comfortable. Uh, and so price point is not the game changer here. It is value and quality, sustainability, traceability. All these things play a, such a big important role in manufacturing in the United States. Prove it and live it. I love those words, but we know that they're very loaded words, especially that S word, sustainable, and it means so many things to so many people and can be wrought with a lot of confusion sometimes even with conflicting certifications. And can what does it mean for Bueller and for you to be sustainable, to have this value of transparency? The worst sustainable product is one that doesn't last, and, and that is purely 
a design function. Uh, you may use all the organic materials and all the best practices, but if it doesn't last, you didn't accomplish much at the consumer level. And that's where the, 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 the vast majority of waste comes from, water and energy. So it can't be sustainable if it doesn't last. Are you working with the people using your products um, on the full life, uh, life cycle of the product? Are you looking at how do you recycle on the back end um, as well as how do you actually improve the design process to make sure you're not using a weak thread that falls apart and the consumer just throws it out after two weeks? Right. Uh, I mean, we definitely are paying very, very close attention to recycle fibers, uh, whether it's reprieve. Uh, or recycle polyesters, recycle nylons, but how about the regenerated cellulose fibers uh, mm -hmm. made from cotton fabrics and uh, uh, lyocell or rayon type fabrics. These are very, very important, but the fiber properties have to be there. If the fiber properties aren't there, you can already predict that uh, the fabric is already going to be inferior. So mm -hmm. you have to look at the fiber properties in order to go forward. Um, other Otherwise, you end up saying, okay, let's, this fiber is way too weak, so we'll have to blend it with some virgin material to recover the string in order to make it last. So mm -hmm. you, you have to make decisions based on fiber properties again. Taking a little bit off the fiber properties and all the, the details onto the fiber, what's your marketing strategy going forward, as in now that you did that marriage? And uh, the two Okay, uh, I mean, Samil is a um, four times larger than, than we are. Mm -hmm. uh, they have 19 uh, uh, blend uh, machines where 19 different fibers. Uh, we only have two, right? So uh, being able to, to get a uh, company that knows how important diversity of product is, particularly nowadays, uh, and investing in, in the United States will allow us to sort of look at things globally. You know, if somebody wants uh, a particular blend out of Asia, but it needs to be chased in CAPTA, this is where we fit. Right? So we're able to connect the dots on a global basis uh, and provide a consistent quality, the same fibers, the same yarns, the same spinning technology, uh, and be able to supply that consistently throughout the world through you know, either the retailer's own supply chain uh, designation or we come up with our own supply chains. Are there any exciting, outside of what you're doing, exciting innovations, developments, or things you're seeing in the marketplace that you really personally are excited about and think will help advance this movement on a larger scale? Uh, I mean, the uh, refiber of fiber from lensing is something that's very, very interesting for us. Uh, there are other technologies out there that are trying to recover or regenerate fibers. Uh, again, we have to see uh, the fiber properties involved. I have not been privileged uh, to see those things yet. Uh, but, you know, one thing for sure, uh, technically from uh, the standpoint of the U.S. manufacturing, there's so many things that are happening where uh, fibers can be made to sense temperature, moisture, uh, or maybe release uh, some type of medical treatment on the battlefield so that, uh, you know, it's just incredible what's happening. How is the domestic collaboration on manufacturing as in completing products? Do, do you guys work closely with the other manufacturers in the completion of, of, of final products after? Fabric formation, dyeing and finishing, uh, cutting, so yes, yes. Uh, don't necessarily want to collaborate with other 
spinners? No, no, no. <laughs> you know? Uh, so they have to learn this on their own. Can we go back to that statement you made just before that question? I mean, some of what you were talking about and on the battlefield, can you tell us more of where you were going and, and dive deeper into that? That was very interesting. Right. There is a program uh, uh, that is um, pushed by the United States government, particularly from a military span, uh, standpoint. But some of these uh, innovations that are uh, occurring at the university level, you have all these doctors and PhDs coming up with technology and says, okay, I found something here, so I, how do I use it? Uh, and so they're asking industry to take a look at the technology and apply it to not only military uh, uh, applications, but apparel applications uh, where the consumer can afford it. Are you talking about the AFA program? AFA, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. that's one of them. Are yes. you one of the participants inside? We of are, yeah. yeah. Okay. Being near uh, Athens, Georgia, we participate in uh, discussions with the professors. Uh, they come over and see us, and you know they want us to see if we can run this fiber or that fiber. Uh, but yes, yes, that, yeah. it's, that's an exciting part uh, about yeah. what's emerging in, in the U.S. textiles. Okay. And do you see then, I guess, in where Bueller is and the clients uh, it's servicing now, I mean, a lot of opportunity in cross-industry synergies. And talk about, we were talking earlier in the conversation about getting all these people into one room and creating those synergies and collaborations cross-industries and through the supply chain. Hmm. What would be the ideal picture? I mean, how do we get these people in a room and to sit and talk about these things? Uh, are there opportunities there or resources where people can go to start to build that? Well, I mean, I guess getting involved with the... Uh, for the universities and um, uh, just discussing what, how to utilize or how to take these ideas and put it into applications. Are there any kind of tools or resources or places you go beyond the testing and the work that you guys are doing in, in your factories and warehouses where people can go to get more information about this and to learn more? Anything that's been helpful to you in your experience or to any of the designer community you work with? Yeah. Uh, you know, it sort of happens naturally. We're well known and um, people reach out to us because of who we are and what we know. Uh, we're not just yarn spinners, so people have seen us in action with uh, the chemistry people, uh, trying to figure out what's the latest and greatest chemistry for certain applications uh, and how do you apply it to yarns, fabrics, uh, you know, that Maybe we don't do anything to the yarn, but we definitely are very interested to see how it performs in, in apparel. So we get involved with <laughs> wherever there's ideas, we want to hear about it. You know? and, and going to the, the uh, seminars for innovations, uh, chemistry and fiber, yeah, go there. Uh, that's where you start networking and hearing some little tidbits and then you start putting together, ah, I can apply that to my fiber, my yarn, my, and my customers' fabrics. Personally, for you, as you look kind of back on your career path there and, and where you're going and where you'd like to take Bueller Yarns, are there any directions or challenges or places that you guys have not explored yet but that you would really like to or personally driven by to take it to the next level? I have my thoughts, but probably too premature to say that. Um, when you just look at what's happening in industry, the, you don't need... It's an oversupply situation, uh, so uh, you're going to have to consolidate. Uh, and uh, I see 
a lot of merging and, and people collaborating more than ever before, which means less manufacturing is needed uh, mm. in order to produce what people are buying. And I know you guys produce, what is it, 3,700 tons or more a year in the United States? I mean, an incredible number, obviously serving a large community. Is that number accurate? Or uh, so I go by pounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, about 8 to 9 million pounds a year. Amazing. Okay. But that's very small. That's very small. Uh, commodity spinner, the largest one in the United States, is almost 20-some million pounds per week. So <laughs> in one week, they make two and a half times more than yeah. uh, what we do. Well, it, th those kinds of numbers, they are large numbers. Obviously, there's there's a demand that's being met. But for Bueller, is there something that you guys, do you ever have excess stock or dead stock that you're sitting on that you're doing creative things with or, or using in other ways? Or do you just make to spec, make to order, and that's and it? That's the way we like it. Uh, inventory is... Nothing but it costs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think retailers see that. We see it as well. Um, so we like to keep the uh, the inventory low. So make to order is what we like. Uh, but not necessarily it's, it's a healthy thing because you can be oversold and you can't re respond, which means maybe expansion is in the, in the, in the future. I'm really interested in what you said about oversupply being one of the bigger issues. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, how oversupply affects basically the sustainability of the whole industry. Um, if you look at worldwide, the production of garments and um, production for apparel, it's I think the second largest industry in terms of dollars in the world uh, behind oil. And then if you look at the consumption of oil inside of the industry, you realize it's actually number one. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you see uh, the tension of oversupply and um, basically the, the manufacturing process that has resulted in tons of waste at the end of every manufacturing cycle? Um, how do you see that recorrection start to happen as we tighten up a little bit on that I tell you the, the more you see about how consumers are buying you're, it's not predictable uh, more and more tendency to make products that sell and not make products that just take shelf space <laughs> which means you need to be making for what is in demand uh, and not so much as I think it might sell well when you do that you empty out the supply uh, chain dramatically <laughs> okay you don't need to have you don't need to be making orders of millions of units and hoping that it sells within the season. Right? What you do is make uh, the units that you think uh, is in demand. Right? Yeah. But not, it's not the same, oh, here's my 12 million garment order and here's the colors. Because I and got my price that's point done. Down It's yeah. going to be we're watching what the consumers buy and producing what they, they are buying uh, and minimizing the overproduction. Let's pause there, and then we'll be back with our final segment on Material Is Your Business right after this. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. 
Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at mouthmedianetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot, and now back to the show. On Material is your business here at TexWorld at the Javits Center in New York with David Sasso. He's the Vice President Sales for Bueller Quality Yarns. And it's time for... And now, it's Remnants. Remnants, our favorite segment at the end when we get to ask you some of those really golden nuggets, the gems that we may not have gotten to yet. And who wants to take the first question? Go Rob. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's me. Um, If you could have dinner with uh, five people in the world, anyone in the world, who would you want at the table and why? Oh, Lord. I'm the worst person. Uh, I don't have, uh, I guess, people that... You know, I gotta be him or anything like that. I'm just me, uh, so uh, I'm the worst person to ask about you know, who's my favorite actor or anything. Like, I have no idea. Uh, Even so, personal to you? Yeah, could be uh, people you know really close to. Could be your family. <laughs> be, yeah, my family will always be number one. Right? <laughs> uh, but uh, or anyone would, inspired you? No, I would say I would love to have a dinner with the politicians and the statisticians, economists, that look at the world and say, we need to do these things to balance out trade and, and uh, you know, who's making the decision of shifting uh, wealth from one country to the other? Who's making those decisions? I would like to understand that primarily. Uh, so that would be, I guess... I don't know who that would be, but who are the decision makers that are saying we need to make uh, take away from U.S. manufacturing and give it to somebody else? Why? What's the rule? And why do we do it? Is it because of security reasons? Really? Uh, so I want to read through all the clutter and and get to the real truth. Fair enough. Good. And Samantha. So, what type of dish? You would have like in this fabulous dinner with <laughs> with your people that you're. What is your favorite dish? That's my favorite dish. I tell you what, it'd have to be either a, a great pizza or a great steak. <laughs> well, you're here in New York. Where do you go? <laughs> Both, right? Both. Oh, but yeah, I love Italian food and I love a great steak. I thought you were going to say something Spanish. <laughs> something Spanish, like uh, um, ropa vieja. Uh, yeah. I just made that the other day. <laughs> posted it on my page. Yeah. <laughs> the Caribbean Spanish is yeah. always the best. Yes, right. <laughs> and Rob. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about where you come from. So I'm wondering, um, if you go back to childhood and back to like early education, what in what um, advice did you get from either your parents or from a school teacher that set you on the track to where you are today? Oh wow! All right, born in Panama, um, with a very poor uh, chance of opportunities. All right, 
immigrated to the United States when I was seven. Mm -hmm. So I have family in Panama and I see how they struggle to survive. And I'm in the United States with tremendous opportunities. And as an immigrant, what I care was working, surviving, and succeeding. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself just sort of drove me to, to do what I think of value as family, surviving, and, and a nice living. You know? mm -hmm. So was textiles my number one goal? No. Mm -hmm. Surviving, having a great job, supporting the family was my, uh, my purpose. Okay. Right? So I'm different. Uh, I'm different. Uh, and I have different ways of thinking because of my Latin background. Uh, and, and what I've seen throughout my life, uh, not only in Latin America, but within my own uh, family. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, that's what's molded me into what I am today. Okay, thank you. Those okay. years of going to Panama, back and forth, have you seen the drastic change there? In Panama, yes. 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 Uh, but it doesn't mean people have opportunities. Yeah. It, it is still uh, very limited to the common person. So t piggybacking off of that, can you give us kind of a final message or thought maybe as you think about this interview or your personal experience, your professional life, anything you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, surround, with sur surround yourself with talent. Surround yourself with people who knows more than you uh, or what you perceive. Uh, listen, learn, and never stop learning because there's always somebody that thinks differently that can inspire you to think differently. That's great. And how can everybody connect with you and your company? Uh, you can reach me at thesasso uh, at buelleryarns.com. That's the best way, through email. Great. Thank you so much, Abe. It was great having you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. You are here with David Sassel, who is the Vice President of Sales of Bueller Quality Yarns, a great resource and a great tool and a great conversation. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. And for Samantha Cortez, adios. And for Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. And I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.